Sports Break Podcast, Zoom edition. Uh, my name is Jackson King. I'm Kyle Grondon. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, some of the NFL offseason moves, uh, looking at the NBA right now, and just previewing some of the crazy sports stuff that's happening right now. Uh, as always, this is the Sports Break Podcast, where uh, it's less of a expert opinion and more of a conversation between people who know a lot about sports i mean we did get the super bowl right but you know we're not necessarily sports experts but uh yeah 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 um more self-proclaimed experts rather than uh you know paid like experts so totally you know. i mean we're definitely not paid like experts you know <laughs> yeah so we're not getting those Stephen a checks just yet not yet uh i guess we should start with why this is a zoom call in the first place uh we we probably could have done this in person, but we wanted to be safe because we both live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and it right now is a mess. Um, yeah. It, it is one of the worst experiences in terms of just weather affecting a place. Like, obviously, you lived in Florida, so you probably were used to Hurricane City, but, you know, this ice weather has been awful. Yeah, this is not fun. I lived up north when I was young. It kind of reminds me of that. Uh, the Dallas roads are messier than Dak Prescott's contract negotiations right now. <laughs> we'll so. get to that. We'll get to that. But uh, <laughs> no, it's and it's the thing of it's getting national attention now. And I feel like it's, you know, people are realizing that, oh, just because, you know, Dallas is hot doesn't mean that it always is ready for this cold. Like, I feel like the infrastructure we've had is just not ready for this. Yeah, definitely not. You know, it's, it's part of the problem when a warmer weather city has, you know, crazy weather like this, they're definitely not prepared. Um, the state of Texas wasn't prepared. That's a whole nother conversation. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're working with the best we can just trying to make it happen. How have you been personally? Personally, I've been good. Just, uh, yeah. Bored out of my mind. Um, I almost went and played hockey the other day. The pond over here is frozen over, but I didn't know if I was ready to trust it. So, from what I've heard, it's very thin lice, and you'll fall in. Yeah, that's what I've heard at least. Uh, but no, uh, no, no blackouts because I've. I mean, you know, being an Aggie, I've been keeping up with all the Bryan College Station people, and they've apparently had so many issues in terms of power delays and water, and you know, the grocery stores have run out of things in general yeah yeah i had to scramble to the grocery store to pick up just like a few meals to get through the week but um luckily we're one of the fortunate people who didn't lose power so yeah been in good shape here we we realized we're lucky uh because uh the house I, the house i'm at is uh, we believe on a hospital power line or at least in the same power grid as what a hospital is. Maybe you're in the same situation. I don't know where in McKinney you live, but yeah, we feel like we're in a place where like they will not stop power because obviously the hospital is a major necessity, but yeah, I don't know. Like uh, I, my grandparents, we've had them live with us for the last couple of days because of it. Like their house has been back and forth with the power and it's, it's a crazy situation. I've never seen this before. I know granted I wasn't living in Texas uh, during 2011 during the Super Bowl week. I know apparently that was another big like cluster in terms of what was happening with the ice weather, but you know, you know, being here and seeing, especially because a, we've been trying to work through power delays and also we are in charge of communities that are just 
especially my two communities in Princeton and Farmersville are so small and are having to try and deal with all this bad weather. It's, it's been a nightmare. Yeah, it's certainly been interesting uh, trying to follow these games, get them rescheduled. And, you know, now that they had the games rescheduled, they had to reschedule again because the facilities they wanted to play at aren't in suitable condition to host basketball games. So it's just been crazy all around. I'm hoping everyone's staying safe and, uh, you know, staying healthy. And that's the major concern, you know, stay safe, do what you can. You know, I, I don't I've had the last four days I've been spending it shoveling my pool to try and keep it from freezing over but you know ever i've been one of the lucky ones so i feel like as much as we're going to be here and you know everything's going to be about you know can the cowboys not screw this up and keep Dak prescott you know that's just one step on the priority list yeah yeah i mean like yeah it's just been like you said it's been pretty nuts uh don't have a pool to worry about but been trying to just make sure that we uh conserve power as much as possible to make sure it doesn't go out i feel like this time has made you appreciate like being able to do stuff because it felt like like the first week of coronavirus again like so bored and just so nothing to do for stretches yeah it's it's basically the same thing i've watched a lot of basketball pretty much is it so yeah a lot of local stuff or what have you like a lot of mavericks and uh what just a lot of nba in general just checking out some of the action um been some good games lately. There's been some impressive play, and of course, they uh, announced the All Star starters today. Which I guess we can start into that. Give me your thoughts on what you saw. Um, so let me pull up the full list here. I'll make sure. So, for the record, everybody who wants to know, the starters that were announced are for the Western Conference: as Luka Doncic, Steph Curry in the guard spots, uh, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard in the forward. Um, grouping for the Eastern Conference, it is Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think everybody understood who I meant. And Joel Embiid fills out the final spot. Um, I think these make sense. I think there was two spots that were basically up for debate. The two spots that were up for debate for me were Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic uh, because. Luca got off to a slow start, even though he's playing tremendous basketball right now. I think the one debate was, should that have been Damian Lillard in that second guard spot, who's basically been carrying Portland when CJ McCollum's been out this last month. I've also um, heard a lot of Donovan Mitchell talk because you've seen, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think he would have been in there. I don't think he is in that top three guards, but you look at what he's done in Utah this year and what that team has done. I could see in a scenario where they give him that nod unfairly but yeah i mean yeah the, the i i don't think i had so much of a problem with the, any of the western spots um my brother actually famously before the season predicted that steph curry like obviously this is you know steph curry coming off of an injury and especially after the first two really bad golden state games he was like steph curry's not gonna be an all-star and my argument was just as a fan, you know, they're going to get him in just because of name recognition. And now obviously this has happened uh, the season and Steph Curry has come back to being 2015, 2016 Steph. But now I have no problem with the, uh, the Western all-star starters. The East is where I have a couple of issues, but go on. Yeah. So I think Damian Lillard had a legit case. I think you could have named either the Utah guards because Conley 
you know, if you look advanced metric wise, Conley's actually been the more important player for Utah, but I still don't think either of those guys are the most important player for Utah because I think Gobert has been a legit MVP candidate this season and he wasn't going to get it over Jokic. So I'm okay with the West. I actually was leaning Doncic over uh, Lillard just because I think he does that much more for his team compared to Lillard. Because if you watch Mavericks games, they have to give him the ball every time because, you know, the only other guy who can create a shot is Jalen Brunson, who's like 5'10 on a good day. So they just don't have any options besides Luka trying to do everything for that team. So I'm okay with giving Luka the spot, although I understand the Dame conversation because he's probably been the better player this season. For the Eastern Conference, I thought Jalen Brown was the Jalen Brown would have been the first guard that I picked over Bradley Beal and Kyrie Irving and James Harden and some of the other Eastern guards. I would have had, I thought Kevin Durant, Giannis and Embiid were for sure locks in the West for the, or the East for the forward spots. I had Jalen Brown as a complete lock for the Eastern spot. Now, part of that is probably because of name recognition being, you know, the second best player on the Celtics or the second most recognizable player on the Celtics. Probably. Um, he just doesn't have the same allure as some of these guys like Beal, who's been in the news every day about trade stuff. So I get that he wasn't on it. And, you know, if you, at the end of the day, if you look at the all-star game and that it's an entertainment event, having Kyrie Irving and Bradley Beal out there is more entertaining than having Jalen Brown. But I thought Jalen Brown has easily been the best guard this year in the East uh, and most impactful for his team, especially when, you know, Jason Tatum had COVID. Kemba Walker was out and stunk so far this season. I thought Brown was a lock in the East and he, he's the one guy for starters I thought was snubbed. Who, um, which of the two guards that we got because I'll, I'll get to the argument in a second which of the two guards do you think did not deserve it um between those two i would have picked Kyrie. Okay. i would have booted Kyrie. i probably if i had to pick my vote for two guards were brown and beal yeah. um just because beal's scoring at an insane rate um i also debated harden for that spot too i felt like those four were kind of head and shoulders but Harden had his thing before the season, which was obviously very weird, and he wasn't in the East the whole time. And then Kyrie had his thing where he was gone for a week and a half mm -hmm. because of his stuff. I would have had Jalen there. Yeah, I. Uh, my thought, like if I if I just had to pick, like regardless of the play this year, like guards, J James Harden would be up there. But obviously, his situation of not playing that many games in the East, I actually would find it interesting. I think he's going to ultimately be a guard in the East, but just how he's named because of that situation with him getting traded several games into the season. It's not like it was like two games and then he got traded. He got traded a good month and a half into the season. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little bit like, does he deserve to get in there for the East just because of how he is? Um, yeah, I was, I, I didn't like the Kyrie selection, honestly. Not that he's not a, everything okay? Yes, I was just turning a page, okay. sorry. No, no, you're fine. <laughs> I just kept looking like you were dialing something. I was like, is a, no. Um, Kyrie, to me, did not scream starter this year. I could probably name... I would put probably even Trey Young above Kyrie, though I agree with you that Jalen Brown, my my pick it would have been Beal number one. I think Beal was a absolute starter lock for me just because of how he's played in that situation. And then Brown, Young. I mean, personally, I may put Sexton because Sexton's had some really good games this year for the Cavs. 
not saying that necessarily over Irving, but like they're, I just, I would not put Irving as a starter personally myself. Yeah. And you know, I personally wouldn't put Trey young in there. I just don't reward what I feel like are face fake stats. Uh, my other guards, I probably would have considered along with, I would have considered Kyrie personally. I, I considered him. I, I probably had Harden over him as well, but I considered Kyrie. I would have those two. And then I'd probably have Chris Middleton and Does Chris I, I Middleton count as a guard. Or is he I think forward? He, I think he's considered a guard. Let me look. I think he's considered a guard. Cause I was considering him a forward. Yeah, the the way they've defined these positions is so dumb. Well, it's and I, and I get it. Like I don't, I get why you don't just have like it used to be where a point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, because basketball is so positionless right now. But yeah, I mean, it creates situations where you could argue you would go a bunch of shooting guards, and I don't know. Yeah, well, I just. Whatever position he is, I probably put him in eventually off the bench. Uh, I think he's been terrific this year yeah. for uh, Milwaukee. Um, so, so, yeah, what is, so what is it left? Is it is it still position based, or is it the remaining picks, or is it just no? I think it's just the next seven guys, and I think I think it's coaches who determine the reserves. Okay, so I guess I would say you know get if you had the choice, let's start in the east cuz we're talking about it. Who would you give those next 7 spots to? Cuz I think that's going to be and it's the debate every year of the guy who just misses the cut versus the guy who barely makes it. Who would you put personally in your top 7? Okay. Um uh man, I got to look up the the roster here. Um let's see. Well, I I like I said, I would put Middleton in there. Um I'm assuming you've put Brown in there as well. Yeah, Jalen Brown and yeah. Middleton are going to be in yeah, there. Yeah, I'm saying let's just assume that this starting five is the starting five. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Well, it is because they're obviously in, but yeah. unless an injury happens. But yeah, so this is those are the two that I would have. I would put Bam Adebayo in there. I think he's been the second best center in the East. I think yeah. he's been terrific and the best player on the Heat this year. Um, so that puts me at eight right there and I'm getting to 12. So I have four more spots. Um, that's a tough thing because at this point it's like the two Pacers guys, Sabonis and Brogdon have been really good, but at the same time, they've also kind of dipped and they haven't been like, I don't know if they're considered all-star worthy. I'd put Gordon Hayward in there. I think Gordon Hayward has been quite honestly awesome in Charlotte. He's been unreal. Um, so I put him probably in there to get me to nine and then I'd probably, you could talk me into Sexton at that point, but there's also a few other guys who I think are really close too, including, you know, Trey Young, Zach Levine, um, you know, Brogdon still there's, uh, I, I just don't ben think Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons would be the interesting case because again, I think him being the guard, I think may hurt him this year. Because I do think there are better guards in him than him in the lineup, or possibility. Um, I don't know the so like I think, I think whether or not you you go straight up with it, I think you got to select about two to three guards and then like the rest or like three to four forwards and then pick outside you go. Uh, I'll agree with you that Bam, Middleton and Brown are locks for the reserves. I think the th- the fact that the three that we're talking about, Bam and or, uh, Brown and Middleton, I think proves why they will probably be reserves. 
Um, also, you're talking about two two of the top teams in the East represented in that perspective. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting cases, I think, is Drew Holiday. Because he's not played a lot, but when he's played, he's been pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's been really good for uh, Milwaukee, and especially at that as on the defensive side. Yeah. I think, so for my 12, I think I would do this. I would do Brown, Middleton, Bam. Um, I would do Gordon Hayward as the second forward. I would do Ben Simmons because I think he's the best defensive player in basketball besides Rudy Gobert, who's just, he, he can't even be put in the conversation anymore. He's that much better than everybody else. It's like Rudy Gobert and then everybody else is kind of two. Uh, he's the second best. Defensive he's player he's in the basketball. best. He's the, in my opinion. And, and there's probably, I mean, there've been, uh, he's the best defensive center since Ben Wallace. And you could argue maybe since Akeem, like he's just yeah. so good. Yeah, I know. Like, it, if he wins his third defensive player of the year, that essentially puts him in the conversation of Howard, Matumbo, Wallace as yeah. the modern big men defensive player. Um, did, so did Howard win that many defensive he won, player the Yeah, he won three straight. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I would have Brown, Middleton, Bam, Hayward, Ben Simmons. And then my final two spots where I'm going between Trey Young, Zach Levine, uh, lot, uh, the two. Pacers guys, Sabonis and Brogdon. You have Nick Vucevic. You have Jeremy Grant. You have the two Toronto guys, Lowry Van Vliet. There's Jimmy Butler, although he's missed a bunch of time. And then your guy, Sexton. Um, and you can also probably throw Clint Capella in there, too, because he's been really good. I'd probably go Drew Holiday. I don't Drew think Holiday. all-star level. Yeah. I'd probably go Drew Holiday and Julius Randle for those two spots. I think... Drew Holiday, like like you were saying, he's been really good even in the limited time. He's been a huge part of Milwaukee's defense, and I think he adds another element that can make them a contender for the finals. Uh, Julius Randle's been unreal. I think Julius Randle does a lot of what some of these other guys who are kind of like on bad teams but putting up big numbers on, but he's also super efficient and rebounding at an unreal level. I'm giving Julius Randle the nod for that one over some of the other guys. And, and maybe it's recency bias and also Kentucky bias, but I'm a thousand percent with you. I think Julius Randle and like if he wasn't a, a forward in the East where you could argue three of the three of the best forwards, not named LeBron play. And he, he may be an all-star starter, like just how he's been playing this year. He's been incredible. Uh, I would put, so yeah, I put him, bam, Chris Middleton, Jalen Brown, between Colin, between Colin Sexton and Trey Young, I got to go Colin Sexton. I think he's been yeah. very good. He's right now my clear favorite for most improved player uh, this year. Yeah. Um, I'd probably go Gordon Hayward. So that put me at, I believe, five. Um, and then I'll go... I'll go Ben Simmons, both because of star value and also because I think he's been really good. And then I'll go James Harden. I think he'll ultimately sneak in. Um, oh, wow. I did forget about him. But I, I also don't think there is – I think there is a scenario where he does not make the All-Star game because of his trade situation. Because yeah. I do, because he's also not been that great this year. Like, like, don't get me wrong. He's still James Harden. He's still a top-10 player in the league. But – in terms of all-star game and what the situation with the trade scenario happens, there is a, I'd say a 5% shot he doesn't make the all-star game because of that. Yeah, it's possible. 
Yeah, that's tough. I probably would have to rework that. I'm probably going to have to bump Hayward for him, unfortunately, because I want to see Hayward in the you, All-Star game. You'd bump Hayward over Ben Simmons or, Ju- I mean, Julius Randle? Even though I think Julius Randle definitely deserves to be there. I mean, I, I'm keeping Randle in so I have enough forwards because that basically puts me at one. Isn't Gordon Hayward a forward? He is, but I, I, I think that I can make it work kind of and move Middleton as more of a forward role. Oh, okay. As you were talking about him, fit that Hayward spot. I think I'd put Harden in there over him. What does it say though? Does it say Middleton's a forward or it it didn't really define him anything. I think he could be voted for both. Okay. Which is dumb. Cause, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I mean, maybe the same thing happened with Brown and he was a lot of votes to him as forward. Because he does play a lot of that wing role. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, Brown, I mean, the thing is, is like I think Ben Simmons has been one of the most important players in the league. I think he's been insanely good this season and whatever they found with doc rivers, I know it's all going to matter for the postseason because that's basically what Philly's gauged on this year, Mm -hmm. because that's where they failed with Brett Brown. Uh, But I think he's been insanely good with doc rivers at the helm. Well, I I think it's mainly the fact that they stopped. They realized that they just need what, what their best string of success has been from getting perimeter role-playing shooters and not yeah. that Ben, not that Jimmy Butler is a bad player, and not that Tobias Harris. Never mind. Uh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know they've really done a great job with Seth Curry and Danny Green of utilizing those two guys to the best of their ability. That I mean, the reason they've been successful this year is been because they could find shooting for a team that really struggles without it. Like yep. I could see a scenario where if they're a second round matchup. Let's say it's with, I don't know, a defense like Milwaukee, a great defensive team. If they can't shoot it well, they're not going to do well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very possible with Philly yet again. It's just, it, it all comes down to if they can get enough spacing around the floor on offense. And, you know, I think what Simmons has done this year is he's, he's dedicated himself a lot more to in the half court offense, sending a lot more screens and cutting that kind of stuff. Um, rather than just trying to dribble a ball around when he just clogs space, when he dribbles the ball in a half court offense, because, you know, they're going to sag off him. So I think he's done some better things on offense in a half court game. And then he's obviously so lethal in transition. That's his strength on the offensive side of the ball, because he's so, he's so big and and fast. He's almost unguardable in that spot. So, um, yeah, so I mean, I'd probably put him in there, honestly. But yeah, I'd probably take it if I had to pick. It'd be it'd be Hayward, probably, or Drew Holiday, and bump one of them out and put James Harden in. Yeah, I mean, again, Drew Holiday will probably if if I had to guess, Drew Holiday would probably not make it just because of how many good guards there are in the East this year, and for not having played that many games. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I would I would personally think. If I had to guess, I would say he's not in there. But obviously, we're not guessing. We're just saying who we would put in there. And yeah, because yeah, there are some players who I wouldn't put in the All-Star game that probably may make it just because of name recognition. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much what's going to happen with some of these guys. So, yeah. But Butler or Tatum <sighs> probably will make it. I hope not. I mean, I hope Jimmy, but Jimmy Butler does not deserve to make the all-star game. Not, not for how he's played this year. No, no. I mean, he he's been hurt a lot and he just hit his first three, like a week ago, you know, I still think that Miami will turn it around to some degree. Now, whether that'll translate anywhere near this postseason success they had last year, we'll 
be determined later. But yeah, I mean, it's the same argument I've had for Tatum. And I don't think Tatum's necessarily played terribly this year. Uh, I think he struggled by the fact that he's not played a lot of games. But, you know, neither guy, I think if you're looking at guys like Gordon Hayward or guys like uh, Colin Sexton, guys who have really played well in the situation, those guys have better, should deserve the better opportunities to play in the All-Star game. Uh, do you want to transition over to the West? Yeah. So, uh, like we said, it's Lucas, Steph, LeBron, Jokic, Kawhi for the starters. So we have seven bench spots once again that we're looking at. Um, I have four locks for bench spots. I have four guys that I think, no matter what, are going to make the All-Star game, and they deserve it too. Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Gobert? Okay. Gobert's in. I'm trying to remember. Lillard? Lillard's in. Mitchell? Mitchell's in. Not Paul George, right? Not Paul George, although he uh, will probably get in. I think he'll get in, but I wouldn't. Put, I personally would not maybe put him in. Yeah. I'd have to. I'd have to go through the numbers. Uh, is it a guard or oh, Devin Booker? Not Devin Booker, but his teammate. You would put Chris Paul as a lock. Chris Paul is a lock for me. I think he's been unreally good for the Suns this season. I think that a lot of what he's done in his culture and what he brings to a basketball team has improved Phoenix at a huge level. I mean, I just see times where he just completely takes over games when he needs to. And he's boosted the he's boosted the level, I think, of everybody on that Phoenix Suns roster. So, yeah, I'd have Chris Paul as a lock over Conley. Um, Shea Gilgis. There's a lot of guards in the West, which is no, really tough. No, there are a ton of guards. Uh, I guess my thought on Chris Paul, because I'm going to have to think about that guard spot because of how many good ones there are. I don't... I think he could make it into the All-Star game just because the coaches really like him. Because from what I've heard, there's not really a player in the NBA outside of like DeMarcus Cousins who hates Chris Paul. Yeah. Like, I've heard he's one of the most liked by most NFL NBA teams. But... Uh, I don't know. I, I he he. I I don't know if I put him at the, near the top of my list for guards because again, you talk about it. Devin Booker, Mike Conley, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Like there are so many good guards that we haven't that not only didn't make the starting list that we haven't talked about. And there will be a guy who a lot of people will be like, "Why hasn't he made the All Star game?" And I'm like, "Well, because there are so many people ahead of him." Yeah, I mean it's tough, but I just think that. If I'm looking at the guys who have performed this season with Conley, with Shea, I think he's been better than Booker. I think Booker has gotten a lot better in the last uh, week plus. Uh, But I think Chris Paul from start of the year to right now has been the most important player for the Suns. So I would have him over Booker personally. Okay, so give me – so those are your four. Yes. Uh, Expand on that and give me your final three. Yeah, so with these final three, I mean, unfortunately, with the way is I would love to put all of these guards in the All-Star game because there's so many that deserve it. But unfortunately, with all these spots, I'm probably going to have two more forwards and probably one more guard uh, to try and make it as even as possible. So I have Chris Paul in there as number nine. Number 10 for my uh, second uh, forward off the bench, I'm going to go Zion. I'm going to go Zion because there's okay. a couple guys. I think there's a couple of guys who are options. I think Paul George and Anthony Davis. Paul George has missed multiple games since the, uh, you know, Paul George has played basically two thirds of the year. 
for the Clippers. They've played 30 games and he's been in 20 games. Uh, Anthony Davis, it doesn't seem like he's going to be ready to go for the All-Star game anyways. He's out right now and he's, it seems like he's going to be out for the foreseeable future. So I'm not going to put Davis in there just because of that out of caution. Although I think Davis would be in if he's healthy. Um, so I'm putting Zion in. I'm giving him the edge for the, my second forward spot. I'm giving him the 10th spot on the list. Uh, and then the other guys, Christian Wood obviously is hurt too. That's another situation. And I just think Zion's better than Brandon Ingram right now. Um, I think their numbers are both pretty close. Neither one's really great defensively for um, neither one's really great defensively for uh, New Orleans. But I just think that Zion is the more important player to that team right now. So I'm really I'm willing to give it to him. And then for my final two spots here, I will put in Paul George. Uh, I'd put Zion in over him, but I think George is still going to make the All-Star game. Um, so George gets my 11 spot. And so that leaves me with one guard between Conley, Shea, Devin Booker, De'Aaron Fox, John Morant, and unfortunately the one guy who was really really good to start this year that probably would have been a lock if he continued his form was cj mccollum but because of his injury he's not going to make it i think jaws missed too many games i don't think he's going to make it because of that so to me it's down to booker shea gilgis alexander and De'Aaron fox i'm gonna go with shea gilgis alexander for this one i think he's been one of the better two-way players in the league this year i think he's been really good for oklahoma city i think he's really important to that team who isn't very talented but they just play really hard and you know you know brought the lakers wire to wire two games in a row and you know somehow they're not the worst team in the west because of it uh the way they play so i'm going with shea just a hair over De'Aaron fox for that last spot so let me just go through some of your guys. I think, I think you're right on all of your locks. Actually, I'm going to, so I think I'm going to give it to Chris Paul just because I feel like because of that team value and because of what he's like the, not both because teams like him and also because he's really, he's been a culture change. It feels like in Phoenix, I'm going to give him a nod over some other guys. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, obviously part of the best tandem in the NBA this season. And then, uh, who am I blanking on? Why am I blanking on the final forward? Lillard. Lillard. Damian Lillard. Yeah, yeah, Damian Lillard. Um, I'll start with my two forward picks because I think those are the more interesting selections. Um, I will pick Anthony Davis because I just, I think, A, I think he, when he's played, he's been so good this year. Uh, yeah. Just as a now, if he's injured, I would give the nod to probably probably Zion. I'll just say that, like, if he gets injured, Zion moves up to being an all star. And now, maybe this is crazy of me. I'm going to pick my final spot to Bogdanovich. Okay. Yeah, I just I think he's been very good this year. I I personally am really a big fan of his game. I think more than Conley, even I think Bogdanovich has been a huge difference maker in Utah. So, yeah, I mean he he started a little slow, but he's really starting to turn it on yes. now and be an important player for them. So I now, mean I can't now I can't fault he, the pick. Will he be an All Star? Probably not. He'll probably go to like a Paul George or uh, someone else. But uh, yeah, I, I really, really like what Bogdanovich has done in Utah. And then for my final guard pick, it's between the Kentucky guys. It's between Shea Gilgis and Devin Booker. I'm probably going to have to give the nod to Devin Booker. I think 
you know, you talked about it. He had a pretty slow start to the season or not even slow start. just not a great start, but what I think he's done over the last week, week and a half has been amazing. And I think for what he and Chris Paul have done in Phoenix, I would put both of them in. Honestly, I think both of them have done amazing jobs. Yeah. I mean, I can't fault the pick. He's obviously a tremendous scorer. Um, yeah. I mean, I think they'd all be great assets to the team. It's just, uh, you can't put seven guards on the bench, unfortunately. So no. Well, I mean, you can move Luke as a s- small forward. He can be as he doesn't he can... play it, but he could play it. Yeah, he could stand in there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think we're realizing, and, and uh, we've realized this for a long time, but how just guard heavy the West is. Like we could probably yeah. name ten All Stars uh, guards. John Morant would be a would would be an All Star in the East, you know, and he I... didn't. He didn't make either of our lists. I, I mean, I would be hesitant to not put. I mean, Mike Conley, same thing. Mike Conley didn't make either of our lists. Mike, Mike Conley would be like a six-time All Star in the East, and he's still going to be. Yes. I heard an argument that was pretty funny that the best case scenario for Mike Conley is he never makes the All Star game because he's now by default the the guy we call on who's the best player to never make an All Star team. So at that point, if he makes the All Star game, it diminishes his legacy. Because he oh. doesn't have that going for him. <laughs> oh, like like the the best to never win a Super Bowl kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, what would Charles Barkley be if he never won? If he actually won a ring, he'd just be a very good power forward. No, he would be he's... one of the greatest of all time. Like, I, that's uh. that's the thing I don't think about that argument is if you like you look at what Charles Barkley. Obviously, Charles Barkley is a great example, but if you give him a ring to his legacy, first of all, it makes the Shaq uh, re- repertoire funny because now he has a ring; he can fight back with at least something. But also, you know, Charles Barkley statistically had some one of the best stretches a power forward has ever had. Yeah, I mean, he has. So he yeah. just signed with the Lakers, honestly, so he gets that ring. Uh, yeah. So I, Fifth, uh, However old he is, 55-year-old Charles Barkley signs with the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, get that ring. Go ring he, chasing, he, Charles. He, he sits on the bench every game. Yeah, yeah, just doesn't play. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, so part of me just wants to see Zion in the All-Star game, too. Like, that'd be just fun. <laughs> and I do think, you know, I think of the forward class, I think it's, A, it's thinner because of injuries. Like, Christian Wood should be in there, but I don't think he'll be in there because of injuries. Same with Anthony Davis. He may not make it because of injuries. You know, Zion has a good a chance as anyone. It's really, in my opinion, depending on how they do it with the injury bug. It could be a toss up between him and Paul George for who makes the all-star game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they, like I said, I do think they both get in because like you said, I don't think, I don't know how many games Woods going to be able, going to be able to play before the all-star game if he is back. And then I just, I'm putting down the, I, I just think that, there's no chance Davis makes it. From but, from the reports I've heard, yeah. it doesn't seem like he's going to make it. But also, my thought is, are they even going to... Because they have they confirmed they're going to play it? Yeah, they're confirmed they're going to play March 7th, and then they're going to do the... I think the three-point uh, shootout is beforehand, and the dunk contest is at halftime or something like that. That just seems like a recipe waiting for disaster. Hey. I don't think... I don't know if we've talked about that, but I just... I feel like it's a waste. Like, I get... I get like why you want to make do the all-star game you know but it's i I just feel like it's way too unsafe i personally think there's no better idea 
than during the middle of a pandemic getting all of your best players in one area at the same exact time. It's like if they said, <laughs> it's like if they said, okay, we're going to play the like play in games in the bubble. And then right before the playoffs, okay, you're going home. You're going to go home and you're going to play the playoffs that you're normally like. I just, and look, obviously the pandemic is not as bad in theory as it was when they did the bubble. Like with the with the vaccine being at least somewhat available, the the situation is not as dire as it was in October, September. But I still think it's a bad decision. Like we've seen those stories of like situations where teams, like just congregations of people getting like COVID like explosions. It's, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a terrible idea, but they're going to go through with it anyways. So Could they not have done it in a virtual setting. Like I understand why you don't want to do it. No one would watch it, or at least it would be very, it wouldn't be anywhere as near as viewed as a regular game, but it's a lot safer. I thought that what they should have done is just have everyone do the three-point shootout and dunk contest in their home gym and just videotape. Or even if you want to do like the three-point con, you could do that. Just have everyone go. And then when they're not doing the dunk, they have to wear a mask and they have to stand away from everyone. You could do that. I don't think you could, you have to have the three-point contest and the dunk contest in a terrible situation. It's the, game situation where you're just saying hey five people on the court at all times baby yeah and obviously the players are upset about it so we'll see what happens yeah. uh you know it, they are gonna play it but you know also just... do they get rid of the the legacy thing they did with Dwayne wade and dirk Nowitzki, or was that just a one-time thing because i'm i think it was a one-time thing because they were both retiring yeah um it's okay we can get rid of that i liked it though i thought it was a good way to like honor someone and give them this like official distinction of the like the last all-star game appearance and I, well, we I, we have that it's called the hall of fame they can go there and get the recognition yeah but <laughs> you know i feel like we see it all the time where we don't rec- we like we see it we're seeing it now in the nfl with possibly drew Brees's last game and the pounces both retiring like we see it where it's like players just leaving and it's like it's sad because we never got to really Honor them while yeah. they were here. Some would say Dwayne Wade's retirement tour is still happening today. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that retirement tour took like three years. Uh, well, but you not, know, I mean, you could also say the same for Dirk. Not that Dirk like did pro like personally prolonged it, but it felt like there were a few years where it was like, okay, there's this, this is the last one, Dirk, right? Yeah. No, Dwayne Wade definitely milked the most out of it, but no, Dirk did I, somewhat similar. I mean, let's be honest. Kobe's was the biggest. I mean, Kobe and Derek Jeter, I feel like are the biggest examples of milking your final year for profit. Well, Kobe was making something like he was making an absurd amount of money that year too. Well, not even like, just yeah that. I'm talking about like he had like a huge marketing campaign. Both yeah. of them did, and like. Like, I don't fault either of them. If you're going to make money, make money. But, like, you look at, like, a great example of Big Poppy. He announced his final year, had a very quiet final year where he was an all-star and he was great. Like, I don't know. I just... I'll never forget Kobe's last game. I won't like, that was the That was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it, it, it was the thing of, like, you expected Kobe the next day to be like, actually, you know what? I'm not retiring. I can do that. <laughs> 
it was what 60 points on 50 shots absolutely it was ridiculous yeah that was that was pretty absurd so my favorite thing is uh someone pointing out if you look at like the last couple of shots it looks like both teams are just trying to get the offense the rebound so he can take another shot if he misses yeah i mean it was a close game yeah, it was a close game, and it ended on a game-winning shot by Kobe, which is exactly what he wanted. It was just completely goofy to watch on TV. It seemed it was the closest the NBA has ever come to WWE. Probably. <laughs> Though I will admit, if you rewatch like Game Seven of the 2016 Finals, that gets pretty crazy. Well, the thing is, is so that's so crazy about that game is like the last five minutes of the game, like. Kyrie's shot was like the first basket it seemed like in three minutes yeah. because everybody was so tired by the end of that game. Nobody could shoot anymore. Everybody's hitting the front run on everything because everyone's exhausted. But it's still so like, like it's still so intense. Like I like, yeah. there have been like only like two or three games and, and I think basketball works that way where a few games are very intense but even if it's a close game it's not necessarily an intense game. Yeah, That the 2017 NCAA finals between North Carolina and Villanova. And then what was the other? Or no, North Carolina and no, no, it was Villanova, I believe. Yeah. And what was the other one? Uh, oh, the, the the World Series game that went to like inning 18 between Red Sox and Dodgers. That one, that one, even as a fan of the Red Sox, that game wasn't as intense for me because I stayed up watching that game and it was like four in the morning. So I was like in a daze. And I was just pissed I stayed up the whole night to watch that game and us lose. But that uh, and the seven overtime game between AM and LSU are the basic biggest examples of even as a fan, I just want to lose so I can go home. Like I can stop what yeah. because I believe and obviously anyone who is an AM fan knows that that is probably one of the most interest fun experiences just watching that seven overtime game versus lsu but around like overtime four i feel like a lot of aggies were like can we just lose already i'm tired of this yeah no kidding like you had two whole games yeah honestly yeah that was a crazy one yeah i would say i would say 2016 game seven is probably the one game ever where i haven't been a fan of either team but i'm like holding my breath on every shot Totally. There there is that funny, I can't remember who posted it, but there was an Instagram post about like all the crazy things that happened in 2016, the 2015-16 NBA season. And like, it is like, you talk about like the 73-9 Warriors, Kobe's final game, uh, something about the Harden-led Rockets, and then that Cavs final. It's like, that may be one of the craziest NBA seasons of all time. Well, the thing that's so crazy is the Cavs came back down 3-1 in the NBA Finals, yeah. and that was probably the second most dramatic series in the playoffs. Because just before that, the Warriors came yeah. back down 3-1 against the Thunder, where you literally see this Thunder thing like exploding in front of our eyes because that's the last Kevin Durant moment we have with Oklahoma City. And we literally just yeah. see it blowing up where these guys can't yeah. figure out how to not play hero ball in the end of the game. Up until this last playoff series, this last year's game between uh, Denver and LA, I have never seen a team implode like that. Like, like obviously, I think if you look at the LA Clippers versus the Nuggets this last, off se- last playoffs, I think you saw it even worse just because not only was it like, the such a big lead but they were so heavily favored in every game it's like how are they losing yeah like but no like that that thunder team 
I don't know what happened between game five and or game yeah game four and game five. They just I don't know. They lost it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's listen. I've never been the biggest Russ guy, but it wasn't just him. It was also Kevin Durant who didn't help that situation. And you know, obviously, game five they blow it, and then you know, Clay Thompson has maybe one of the best shooting performances ever in game six. Uh, Warriors are able to win that. And then the Thunder still had a bunch of chances to win game seven and aren't able to do it. Just an absolutely crazy series. And, you know, it's almost minimized because of what happened after that, which is the Cavs coming back with LeBron averaging a triple double in the last three games. And then, you know, Kevin Durant going to the Warriors following the series. It's funny how, and we, I think NFL fans have looked at it now that we've seen like the dust of the, the dynasties Brady has just destroyed over his career. But, uh, oh, by the way, I accidentally recorded, texted you, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, sorry, wrong Kyle. Uh, but no, um, it's funny because we've seen that the legacies that, Tom Brady's kind of destroyed, but that 2016 Warriors team had the potential to be the greatest team of all time. And now I feel like everyone just laughs at them. Yeah. I mean, it really is. I mean, the problem is, is that the 2017 Warriors are probably the greatest team of all time. <laughs> so I think, but, I'll put 2018. 2018 had 2017 plus more pieces. I'm trying to think. Nick Young, uh, who else? They added a couple of other. They 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 are literally. If you look at them, they're the 2017 Warriors plus Swaggy P and one other person. Yeah, but you also had a younger Iguodala and a younger Deshaun Livingston, which I also feel like adds to it. By a plus year. I mean, it still does because I thought I thought Iguodala aged pretty quickly in Golden State uh, by the end of that run. But um, I also believe that he was still the same level that year, I believe. Yeah. What about Patrick McCaw, NBA champion? He wasn't on 2018. Yeah, he was. Wasn't he? Yeah, I, I think believe he was. He was. was he? Oh, shoot. Well, David David West was definitely not on that team. He was the one who won one title. Yeah, he wasn't on the 2017 team then either. No, he was on 2017. He wasn't on 2018. Oh, wait, no, he was on both. Wow, I'm yeah, losing it. Wasn't he also on 2015? What's that? He was also in 2015, wasn't he? I believe uh, David, David West was all for all three. He might have been, yeah. So that was, I mean, I don't know if we'll ever have a great, as great of, we've seen it now with the NFL with LaShawn McCoy, but in terms of Patrick McCall winning three straight NBA finals on two different teams, that may be, yeah. but, but the, without, I believe, playing a single minute in either finals. If he was, it was more, it was like the end of the half kind of it, stuff. It's, yeah, it's the Jeremy Lin role, but yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, that was our all-star recap for those keeping track. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 I still, I'll, I, I talked, I still don't know if we're going to have, if we should have an all-star game, but uh, it's very, at least it's exciting to have the starters announced because those are great discussion points and those are good, like benchmarks for how good you are as a player. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I think it was a, uh, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I think we're splitting hairs with a lot of them. I think the one conversation was Kyrie um, for me, honestly, it's like, but that's also because the top four guards in the East, I feel like are really, really good. So it's really hard to differentiate those four. 
And I do believe if like if if he had played the entire year, I do believe James Harden would be in the, the starting role. But obviously that didn't yeah. happen. So well, you know the thing is too is that if if Kyrie starts the entire plays the entire year, this also probably isn't a conversation. So you know he's also, probably a luck. I just don't know if he's been that good. I mean, he was really good to start the year, and he's had a couple good games since they got all of them back. Yeah, and then now of course Kevin Durant's out again. So we'll see how this game goes tonight. Yeah, they're they're an interesting team, and we'll talk about them going forward. But they're they're I think. More than any other team, now that we kind of set the Lakers as the bar for how good you can be right now, they're probably the most interesting discussion point in terms of where they go and how they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still think they're going to get a buyout guy and be pretty good. It's just going to be, uh, you know, who is that going to be and how how much of an impact is he is the question. I guess. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if like a – I mean – the number one bio guy I'm thinking of is Blake Griffin. I don't know if he's necessarily the best fit there, but I think, you know, he would be an interesting I just, fit. He'd be interesting. I just don't know if there's enough left in him. I I mean, he he hasn't dunked in a year, which is startling given who he was at the start of his career. Yeah, but he also wasn't a huge dunker in his 2018 All-Star season or 2019 All-Star season. Well, yeah, he changed a lot of his game, but it's still crazy to think Blake Griffin – hasn't dunked in a year still like i mean it's just who you know the guy who is jumping over kias um is now you know just doesn't have the lift anymore i think i think the ultimate buyout prize it's probably going to be javel mcgee honestly because i don't think drummond's getting bought out personally you think he's going to get traded i think if he's i think he is going to get traded um i just I don't know. Like I know Cleveland's doing this thing where they're basically holding him out. I don't know why you'd buy him out. I just don't understand. You know, he's played so well this year. There's got to be some value for Drummond. By the way, that the Draymond Green discussion on that whole situation, and I, he went into further things just about like the the business of the NBA. But that may have been the the most clear like. This is what it. This is what it feels like to be an NBA player when you hear that talk. Like I'm, I'm really happy to hear that. Like, you know, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it's an interesting conversation to have because you know the problem is is that we had this whole conversation that you know you hear the other side. It's like you're getting paid millions of dollars. Shut mm-hmm. up! But at the same time, they're also you know. It it sounds corny to say, but they're also people. You know? Yeah, I think they're allowed to be happy, unhappy in the workplace. And I th- and I think it's okay for you to, and not necessarily just straight up shut up and dribble, because I've I've never liked those kinds of thought processes. But in terms of the idea of like, I like the fact that I, I can understand you being like, just look, you're a professional. This is part of the professional business. Understand it and be okay with it. Because at the same time, you see situations where like James Harden is asking to get traded out of that city. That is a very professional thing to do, like a very professional business. But at the same time, I I, I like the fact that J- that Draymond was just straight up like, look, I hear it and it's awful. I, I don't want to hear it from yeah. the player. Yeah. Know? No, so I agree. I mean, it's, I know- it's an interesting conversation. And it's also because I know last year he was a player who a lot of people were like, get him out of golden state a because they wanted him out or b they wanted him to go to a better team but yeah yeah exactly so it's going to be a uh 
it, it's certainly an interesting conversation. I think it's something that is going to continue to come up. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting time for the NBA. You know, the, the level of player empowerment in the league where you see conversations like this happening, where the NFL, it's like Deshaun Watson has to be traded. And essentially there's crickets because he's too valuable and he's never going to get traded. Uh, and we'll we'll transition over to the NFL in a second because I think there are some interesting discussions based on I guess breaking news, but it's you know it's been all day, so it's not really breaking. But I don't know, like th- there's so much. I think you you would see the same thing. I feel like if you, I mean, though, granted, James Harden is essentially Deshaun Watson, uh, but he I mean, but but in I guess a less valuable position because no one in the NBA is as valuable as a quarterback in the NFL. Yes, nobody is more valuable than the quarterback. I mean, I don't think any player for a franchise is more valuable than a quarterback. Though, like, if you're talking about, like, prime LeBron, you don't think prime LeBron is... I mean, that's that's a fair point. I mean, the tough thing is is that five basketball players to 11 football players. True. So it's a different conversation, I think. But, yeah, prime LeBron is probably more important than a quarterback. Then they, but obviously, if you're talking like prime quarterback, maybe different. But if you're talking about like, yeah, comparing top level players, it's hard to compare. Yeah. So. But uh, I guess let's move over to the NFL because we had one of the big quarterback dominoes that's been discussed a lot, probably because the Eagles wanted to get better picks. Uh, they kept floating in these random offers of like, oh, it's two firsts and a, a running back, or oh, it's like a first and two thirds. But today we get the big news that Carson Wentz is now a, uh, a Philadelphia, or is now an Indianapolis Colt, uh, traded for a third and a conditional second. I'm going to be honest. I really like this move for the Colts. We talked about it back when we talked about the the hiring of Nick Sirianni, but you know, Carson Wentz's last good year was under uh, Frank Reich. And so to give him back to Frank Reich and to give him that Colts team, that really is, I feel like at least a good quarterback away from at the very least doing something in the playoffs. I don't know. I think it's a very good move and I'd like to see what he does in Indy. Well, so it's interesting because I think that he has some things that he needs to work on to fix. You know, I don't think it was all completely confidence issues. I thought he was being really dumb in a lot of situations and the way he was essentially, you know, refusing to take a sack and, you know, making errant passes and trying to force a play that's not there. I don't think all that was confidence issues. I think, you know, and a lot of the stuff that's come out since then is that basically him and Howie Roseman, the GM, were going behind Doug Peterson's back. So it sounds like to me that he needs a coach he can trust to probably get in his head and say, hey, you need to chill out with some of these throws, make better decisions. And, you know, you go with the offensive coordinator that made him an almost MVP level player in Frank Reich. And that's probably the situation you want him to be in where he has a coach now that it seems like he trusted in the past. I still think there's a not just a good, a great player in Carson Wentz because you see all the arm talent, you see the skills. You know, this is still a guy who is one year removed from throwing for over 4,000 yards without a single receiver topping 500 yards, which is absurd. I still think there's a great player in Carson Wentz. He's just got to fix a lot of things and improve very quickly. Um, So I think this is really good value for Indianapolis. You know, they get the franchise guy who's still pretty young. You get a franchise guy to build around because, you know, the Colts, I think, are 
for teams that were quarterback dependent, I think are the most Super Bowl ready roster. I think this team is just about ready for a Super Bowl. They have the defense, and it stinks that Andrew Luck was isn't on this team anymore, obviously, because I think this team's ready to go to a Super Bowl. I think they're that talented. Yeah, I think, and, and correct me, and the best part of that, if you're, if you're Indianapolis, is I believe Philadelphia, this year at least, is going to be eating up most of that cap. I believe so. There's something. Yes. There was something weird about the trade that, yeah. like, some of it's still going to Philly. But I think if you're looking at it from the Indy perspective and from the Carson Wentz perspective too, this team very much reminds me of that 2017 Eagles team in terms of how they're constructed. Yeah. Uh, you look at the team and they're very quarterback friendly with how they're run. Michael Pittman is a very good wide receiver. Jonathan Taylor, probably outside of James Robinson, probably the most explosive running back of the rookies. Yeah. I mean, he he somehow finished third in the league in rushing, which I couldn't believe. But, but, yeah. And, you I mean, you just look at that team both on defense and on the offense. They've got so many weapons. I just – I would not be surprised, not necessarily MVP level or even near, like, what he was in 2017 and 2018, but I would not be surprised at all if Carson Wentz has a, a great bout back year, maybe even win comeback player of the year. Like, that just, that's just what I feel like. Like, this – Carson Wentz – in that system, we know he trusts Frank Reich, and we know that the Frank Reich system is great for a uh, for a Carson Wentz type quarterback. Like, yep. if you're talking about the quarterbacks that were available outside of obviously, if you got Deshaun Watson, it would work no matter what because it's Deshaun Watson. But if you're looking at like any of the quarterbacks available, I would probably say Carson Wentz is probably the best suited for that scheme and the best suited to have success. Well, and we've seen him be successful yeah. with the scheme. I think the one thing that so the one question I had with Philadelphia with was with this cap space. Do they kind my one alternative was do they maybe you know get a guy like Brissett for the year, uh, bring him back for the year and kind of see what You're happens. About the Colts. Yes, yeah. the Colts is like if they bring in a guy like Brissett for the year because the thing is with all that cap space, I think there's a legit chance which they decided to go all in, which I don't blame them. But there was a question of could they wait one year before they go all in because I think Aaron Rodgers is honestly on the table next season. I think next off season Rodgers is going to be available. I think there's going to be an opportunity to acquire him, and I think there was would have been a situation where if he's looking at roster needing a quarterback who has just about everything else. I think, you know, San Francisco and Indianapolis are probably the top two options right now because they have just about everything else when healthy besides the quarterback. So I think that was the one situation where it's like maybe wait for Rodgers and see how that plays out. But they decided to go for it, and I can't blame them because, like you said, Frank Reich has gotten the best out of Carson Wentz. He has a situation where he has a couple good tight ends in Indianapolis, something he worked really well with in Philadelphia with Zach Gertz. He has Jack Doyle and a couple others. I think they're going to draft a receiver because they need another receiver or bring back T.Y. Hilton. I think this could be a really good team going forward. Yeah. My only thing with the Aaron Rodgers situation, and I think it's starting to develop now, is you're looking at Deshaun Watson, and obviously it's a different scenario because of Rodgers' age, because obviously you look at it and you're like, you're way more willing to trade a 30, a 37-year-old quarterback than you are a 26-year-old quarterback or 25-hour old Deshaun Watson is. But if I feel like the Deshaun Watson situation is proving why it's hard to trade at that level of quarterback. So if you're yep. looking at like... If you're looking at the trade, the, the quarterbacks that are available and forgetting the draft because there are so many question marks with any quarterback in the draft, even Trevor Lawrence is a question mark in theory. Um, 
Matthew Stafford was the best probably that you could get in a trade. But Carson Wentz in potential isn't t- far behind him. And you look at the trade, what they got trade-wise, you know, you're talking about a guy who's traded for a two firsts and a second in Stafford versus Wentz who was traded for a, a third and maybe a first, but most likely a second. Like that's ridiculously good value for a guy who could possibly turn your franchise around. Yeah, no, it is. And you know, this guy is, you know, even if you get, you don't, the thing is about the Colts is you don't need him to play at an MVP level. Yeah. You know, if you got 85% of that Carson Wentz, this team's probably one of the best in the AFC and one in the AFC South. So I think that as long as they get that level of play from him, it's possible. And they don't need him to be a superstar. They just need him to be 85% of a superstar and not make mistakes. And I think that shows in the the trade value. Like they they didn't trade superstar packages. They didn't they stuck to a number. They said we're willing to give him up for this. And despite Philadelphia looking like they were trying to lob everything they could to try and raise the value they stuck to their value and they stuck to whether, whether or not you agree with the value, I think speaks to how you view Carson Wentz. Like I know some people who did not like the fact that he was even going for that much, but you know, that's probably just the business of getting a quarterback and especially a potential quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't think, you know, this was lower than I would have thought he'd go for. Just because getting a quarterback at the franchise level is that important. So they're able to get him at a lower level. I think this is cheaper than what you what they could have got. But at the end of the day, I think this is the best situation for Philadelphia to move on yeah. and for Indianapolis to get a guy that they can potentially build around. And I think that's the other thing about this trade is we talked a little bit about with the Stafford trade and how much that felt like a win-win at the moment because you know Detroit gets a bunch of assets and in theory gets a quarterback who could potentially be good enough to at least have the same value Stafford had and then this I think is another win-win for both teams because obviously if you're Indy you get yourself that much closer to a Super Bowl run and if you're Philadelphia you finally stop this circus like this has been a like you could this last three months of Wentz versus Hertz talk has really, I think been detrimental to their brand in terms of trying to be a respectable franchise. If you want to think of it like that. Well, they're, I don't know what they're, I didn't know what they were doing. I didn't understand anything that they're doing. I think they got a really uh, just kind of big problem um, because they had no cap space. This helps a little bit, but they still have to eat some of this money. Um, And I'm not sure either of these quarterbacks is the future answer in Philadelphia. You know, I like some things out of Jalen Hurts, but I don't know if he's going to be a franchise quarterback. Uh, He didn't I don't he didn't have moments where he wowed me like that. I think he can be a good quarterback. I don't know if he's going to be great um, by any stretch of the imagination. So they had two quarterbacks that they probably liked and didn't love and they didn't really know what to do with it. And they got an aging roster who Mm -hmm. I don't know is still very good. They got an offensive line who's never healthy. you know, I think there's a lot of problems in Philadelphia, even beyond Carson Wentz, that they're going to have to figure out. This is ba- basically the bones of that 2017 team. There's nothing left to this team. Um, I think they got to continue selling off personally. I think they got to get below the cap and fix the situation and kind of blow it up and start over. So I'm curious if guys like Fletcher Cox become available for Philadelphia because I don't know what they do to improve with this roster. Yeah, your fear is that Hertz is nothing more than like Gardner Minshew. 
and is like that guy who has a really good year, even if the wins don't necessarily always come there, but has a good statistical year. Then you get rid of the guy and it's like, oh, no, he just did once tape is on him. He's not going to be as good, uh, though. For on the record, I believe Gardner Minshew still has a lot of talent in him. I don't know. The the thing, the situation with Philadelphia also is in they're in the most competitive division in football in the sense that no team has looked great yet. Now I think all three, all four teams, all, let's say the top two teams in uh, Washington and in New York, all both have the potential to be good and be great. Uh, and maybe Dallas turns it around. But if you're looking at that division, Philadelphia to me is a clear fourth. Yeah. No, I agree. I think they are. I think that they got a lot to rebuild and get better at. I still think Dallas can turn it around pretty quickly because that offense, I mean, I don't trust Mike McCarthy, but that offense before, like, basically everyone got hurt and it caved in was scoring like 45 points a game. So I think those first couple of weeks showed that this mm-hmm. offense can be explosive if it's, if it's healthy. Mm-hmm. I just think that mm-hmm. they need a real GM rather than the Jones making those decisions. Um, well, and, I mean, but yeah, I mean, I do think that the state of the rosters, the state of the franchises, I would put Philadelphia fourth because I think it's still kind of a mess. I don't know, you know, Howie Roseman is kind of making decisions behind coaches' backs. They got a coach that I'm not, you know, we'll see how he does overall, but it's someone that wasn't really, you know, making a bunch of decisions in Indianapolis. So I think they got a lot of decisions to make. And in fairness, I think you saw the last stretch of the season. You, I think you saw the potential with Mike McCarthy and how good that, like, you know, you saw it over the last five or six games, how that team can resolve. And you hope with Dak coming back that the team finally is able to turn it around. Um, is he coming back? Well, I guess we'll transition into that. So as I mentioned at top, this is kind of a, this, the Carson Wentz trade was a big domino in terms of this crazy offseason and really the crazy quarterback class. We saw this last year with the likes of Brady being available and James Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, Cam Newton to a degree, but there were a lot of quarterbacks just moving teams and changing scenarios. This year feels like a very similar situation with you know all the trades and all the draft picks available i think the i don't know which team domino falls next but honestly if i'm a cowboys executive or if i'm a cowboys fan the carson Wentz trade is probably a better thing because it probably reinstitutes into the joneses why you need to keep dak i mean i think i've been saying for years that they should there's just no logical reason to give up a quarterback at his level you know it sounds like a lot of money but the thing is is you can't compare quarterback value to previous contracts because you know basically the best comparison i heard is quarterback contracts are essentially the equivalent of new york real estate it doesn't matter what was sold previously it's automatically going up no matter what it's going to continue to go up so just because deshaun watson you know the best decision you can make it with a quarterback is sign as early as possible because the next contract's going to be higher. So just because Deshaun Watson's getting paid $39 million average for his contract does not mean that Dak Prescott isn't worth $40 million for his contract. Yeah. It means that Deshaun Watson was signed first, so his contract's lower. They're going to continually go up each year. It has nothing to do with the player. And if you have a top 10 quarterback, if you have a top 10 to 12 quarterback in the NFL – the cost of doing business with a top 10 to 12 quarterback is, you know, 
the highest paid contract in the league. And it's going to continue changing unless you get a guy like Brady, who's willing to say, I'm taking less money to help the team. But there's just not a lot of guys who are going to do that. And, you know, and especially you a guy, his, guy, especially at a guy Prescott's age, like Brady really only did. I mean, you know, granted Brady did that when he was younger too, but Brady mainly started doing that when he was older and he, you know, had the wife's income to do that, to support yes. that. But um, no, here's the thing I think it ultimately comes down to. And I know a lot of people outside of the Dallas Cowboys fandom say that the Cowboys have not been at all good since 1995. But I think if you look at the best stretches of the Cowboys since that moment, it's been when they had a quarterback. You look at the team with Romo and the team with Prescott, the worst years were when the team had Quincy Carter at quarterback and when Romo was too injured to play. Wasn't that the John Kitna year? There was a John Kitney year there too, somewhere. But yeah. I don't, yeah. But like you literally, you look at the Cowboys' history since 1995, and the worst stretches have been the 2001 to 2003 when Quincy Carter was the quarterback, 2000 and, 2009 10 when Romo got injured, 2015 with Romo got injured, and this year when Dak got injured. Like, yeah. The Cowboys not necessarily have been a great team with those quarterbacks have been there, but they've been at best an average to great to an average to good NFL team when they have a quarterback. Yeah. So if, if you're the Cowboys, and I'm saying this right now because every team is thinking it, the worst thing you can do is let Dak walk. Even if let's say Drew Brees five years ago walks into your building, it's not going to be the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting because I think the next conversation to have would be if they decide to use the franchise tag again, uh, which I think is a possibility. But then there's also the conversation is, you know, does that Prescott at that point after his nasty injury um, decide to hold out? Because I think holding out is on the table in that scenario because, you know, he just had a horrific injury. Why is he going to play on another one-year deal without the security of a long-term contract? So I think that they have to find a way to pay him and avoid the franchise tag. Uh, you just can't lose a guy like that. I mean, there's teams who would honest, automatically pay him a $40 million a year contract to get him signed on. I know as a Patriots fan, I would drive him to the airport to get him to New England to sign a $40 million contract. I know also, I, part of me thinks, and look, I think you could criticize Jerry and Steven for a lot of dumb decisions, but I ultimately think that both this year proved, and I think when push comes to shove, they'll realize that they can't let Dak go away. And I think ultimately they will pay him what he demands. From what I read last year, the, the contract details weren't on money. It was on years. And so whether that continues to be a stipulation this year is, or whether it is money, whether Dak Prescott's like, actually, I'd like a little bit more because COVID and, you know, losing the year of making money, I'm not sure. But I mean, again, I think people criticize Jerry Jones for a lot of things, but I don't think he's that stupid. Or, yeah. he, or or more importantly, because I don't think it's necessarily a stupid issue, I don't think he's that much of an egotist. I think he knows when to make that decision. 
Yeah. So basically what I heard is that they offered for five years, $35 million a year. And he said he wanted four years because he wants to basically get back into free agency for one more cash or yeah. one more free agency after four years. And so basically the counter was four years, $35 million a year on average. Yeah, it's and a... the fifth year, they want up to $45 million if there's going to be a fifth year, which I get. Because then, you know, the thing is, is that five years from now, a $45 million contract for a quarterback probably isn't going to be that much, to be honest. And it would also, and also, I believe that was before the Prescott contract. So that may, now granted, I don't necessarily think the Prescott, or the, sorry, not the Prescott, the Mahomes contract. Yeah. I don't necessarily think the Mahomes contract would affect Prescott because I think the NFL understood how crazy that contract was. Yeah. Yeah. That might be the one quarterback contract that doesn't affect the average for the rest of them because it's Patrick Mahomes. And it's because he's won an, an MVP and a Super Bowl MVP right before that contract signing. Um, but again, I, I do think that Jerry, and I also think that it's this year is going to reinforce Jerry Jones to make that, to fix that mistake because we saw how much they struggled this year. And I think a lot of people have made these stupid assumption that Andy Dalton did enough to prove that why you don't need to pay Dak. I don't think anyone should think that. And I don't think, I hope no one in the Jones family thinks that because yeah. I mean, he played, I, I want to use the word serviceable and that's probably the best word for it, but he did not play like a starting quarterback. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Now, the one interesting thing is, could they do some sort of scenario where if they can't agree on a long-term contract, could they do essentially a franchise tag and let another team negotiate a long-term contract with them and then trade for a draft pick for one of these five quarterbacks in the first round? I think that's the one scenario where Dallas could probably get away with it. So say, hypothetically, could they sign him to a franchise tag and then if like, you know, Back to, to New York, York, essentially? Well, not even New York. So say, because I don't think New York would trade the number two pick for him. Uh, personally, I think Zach Prescott's worth the number two overall pick. If you could, lock him, if you could lock him down to a five-year car, four-year contract. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if that's going to happen. Like, I was thinking, so what if, what if hap- hypothetically Carolina offered their eighth pick and then a uh, first-round pick next year? And then in backdoor, they, they locked up a four-year contract with Dak. And then maybe, but I also think that the NFLPA and the NFL organization would like litigate the mess out of that. I don't think they would allow those backdoor dealings. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. They may allow it, or they may just not be able to enforce it. But if a situation like that happens, I feel like the NFL would revolt. I mean, it could. I mean, it's possible. I just think that's a scenario where Dallas could essentially get out of it, and they can get a guy like Trey Lance to essentially build around. Um, But also, if you're Dallas, and I'm not sure, if you're Jerry Jones, and you... First of all, I don't know if eight to 10 is something I would necessarily want to do if I'm Dallas. If I was Dallas, I may want to, especially to a team in your conference like Carolina, it may have to be higher if you want to get rid of him. But if you're like a team like Dallas, would you want to Trey Lance or would you want to get one of those top three guys? Yeah, that's the thing. Like you probably think like if it's not, uh, you know, Zach Wilson or uh, 
Trevor Lawrence, it's probably not worth it at the end of the day for. Well, Dallas. I could see them winning at Justin Fields and finding a scenario similar where maybe it's like you get the fourth pick and maybe a second rounder to get to, to get up to get Justin Fields. But yeah, I don't know. I think of the quarterback dominoes that are left, I think you're looking at like Sam Darnold, maybe Gardner Minshew, though I think they may just keep him in there as a bridge quarterback. Uh, trying to think of the other. Like uh, Teddy Bridgewater, I guess, considering we don't know what's going to happen with Carolina. there, I think Dak is the most interesting quarterback domino because at the end of the day, I, at this point, I severely doubt that Deshaun Watson is going to get traded before the season. Yeah, I, I just don't see it right now. Um, Jameis Winston's interesting. Does the just, team take a shot on him? I just think he's a lot to stay back in New Orleans. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, the scenario I've heard is, and A, a lot of people have brought up how much important it is to to have the second year in a system versus the first year. So New Orleans may give him more faith because they see he was there for a year and now he can come back without the COVID situation and can really become that starting quarterback. Now that as of right now, Drew Brees probably will still retire. We still don't know. Um we still can't confirm, I should say, but uh, I don't know. It's uh, the James Winston situation. I feel like it all depends on what the Saints want to do because I think if the Saints ask him to come back, he will come back. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely possible. I, I think he's an interesting one, and then you know you got all the draft picks. Plus, of course, you know some of these aging guys. Are any of them going to move at this point? And um, yeah, like what do the Bears do at this point? Now they're back at square one. I guess Sam Darnold, if if New York drafts someone, yeah, it's possible. I mean, I, I mean, depending on what his trade value would be, I would like a thousand percent kick the can on a Sam Darnold Mitch Trubisky battle. <laughs> Top three picks, but that's the same situation they were just in. But it, I feel like it's better. At least you know you bring back Mitchell Trubisky for a year, and you truly figure out between him and Sam Darnold who's better. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. It'll be interesting to see what they do. So Yeah, it's the, you know, again, I feel like a lot of the talk right now is going to be about Deshaun Watson, but I think that's just waste of time. That's Yeah, I, I don't see him moving this season. I think they're going to try and give him a year with this new coach and see how it works. I don't yeah. unless he holds out and like kind of twists their arm, I just don't see it happening. I think though it would take a lot of twisting cuz and and not I still think I think he's gonna have a bad year next year because the team in general. But um yeah, I I think the Texans are being too stubborn for their own good. And also the trade value is so high for him that it may be almost impossible. But uh yeah. I, I guess we'll leave it off with this. Uh if you th- like give me a team you if you had to guess a team that would trade for him. That's the most likely to trade for Deshaun Watson right now. Who do you think it would be? Um, I mean, I think the Jets and Dolphins make a lot of sense. The team I'd want to see trade for him is Denver. 
Uh, I feel like that'd be really fun. I'd love to see him and Mahomes play each other for years. I think Denver is a couple offensive line pieces away from being a really good football team. I think they got a terrific receiving core. I think they got a terrific running back duo. I think that they got some really good players on defense, so they got to add a couple more there too in the secondary. Uh, but with Justin Simmons, Von Miller, healthy, Bradley Chubb. And, well, have you not heard um, the discussion about Von Miller? No, what happened? Apparently, he may not. He's not. They're going to decline his. There's a lot of rumors about them declining his option. Oh, interesting. Now, now whether that's him aging, whether that's this like being arrested situation that I'm not entirely clear about. But yeah, like a lot of the discussion is about him going to another team. Well, that'd be interesting. But I mean, they still have Chubb, who's still good. They have Jarrell Casey. Uh, they can add, like I said, a couple cornerbacks next to Simmons in the secondary and be a really competitive football team, I think, really quickly. Um, you know, I think that with the opt outs and the injuries they had this year, it was some bad luck, not to mention Drew Locke. I think Watson would be, that would be my number one Watson destination because it'd be so fun to see him in Mahomes in the same division on good football teams with Herbert. One word for you, man, Carolina, a thousand percent. I'm even saying now even more than the the Dolphins. Uh, The Jets are a weird wild card, but I would say Carolina, they make the most sense to me, both because A, they have the assets and not only assets, disposable assets. I think you look at Christian McCaffrey. He's a player who I think they could easily decide to get rid of. And the Texans would a thousand percent want to want to get. They have that bridge quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. They have the eighth pick. They have a good. They have a good number of assets on offense, and they have Matt Rule. I feel like they would be a team that would want to get to Deshaun Watson, just because they want to take that next leap. I don't know. I feel like Carolina ticks too many boxes. That and he, and the fact that he's in another conference. I feel like that Houston would idealize that to some degree. Yeah. Well. Why would they want McCaffrey is the thing I keep thinking. Because I've seen that pop up is McCaffrey is the option on the way back. They just overpaid for a running back who was expensive. I Why would like, they overpay for another running back? Who's I like- feel like, first of all, I don't think you're thinking like, I, I, I don't think they're that smart. The, for, I think we've seen Houston, the Houston brass is really weird right now. Yeah, but, I just, the, if they trade their best receiver, who's an, probably the best receiver in football, yeah and the top three quarterback in football for two running backs. Like, Houston, honestly, Houston fans should burn the city to the ground. Honestly. Have you seen what the team's done over the last uh, 12 months, 13 months? Yeah, I mean, I just – if they trade two players who are top three at two of the most important offensive positions yeah. – at the two most important offensive positions yeah. in football, you know, two of the top three players at those respective positions for two running backs – with big contracts when running back value has gone down for years, I would, I would riot if I'm a Houston fan, honestly. But but also just do you not just picture that scenario? Do you not think that would be a big part of it? Like that, that Houston, no, granted, I think the, the trade for Duke Johnson kind of, or not Duke Johnson, um, David Johnson, David Johnson, the other Johnson. Uh, I think that does kind of put the McCaffrey thing in a situation, but does that not scream like a huge like this Houston Texans situation? Like, ooh, we could get Christian McCaffrey. He's so electric, yeah. but not realizing that you need more than just running backs. Um, yeah. By the way, uh, on this Von Miller situation, he seems to me like a great plug-in Shaq Barrett replacement. If he ends up getting cut, you know, he's going to go back to Denver. <laughs> no, no, going to no 
him going to Tampa Bay. I'm saying Von Miller to Tampa Bay. Oh, that'd be interesting. I think yeah, if be, they're yeah. I mean, if they're not able to sound Barrett, that's an interesting uh, scenario. Yeah. Um, I just I don't know the the. I, I, the, the too many boxes that Carolina fits. And again, I don't think it'll happen. I would bet money more that it wouldn't happen than it would happen. But if I were the GM of the text, or if I was a team that looked into it, the Carolina looks like the best scenario in terms of the aggressive owner, the quarterback situation they've had, having all those assets, disposable assets to, I don't know. I just feel like they fit too many boxes. Yeah. No, I think it makes a lot of sense. They've been rumored for a reason. So I think it's a team that definitely makes sense. Well, everyone, thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Sports Break Podcast. My name is Jackson King. I'm Kyle Grondon. And by the way, look out here tomorrow and you will see a news podcast called the Draft Down 2021 podcast, where me and uh, special guest Adithia Prabhakarin look into the draft, look at some of the best uh, matchups and just overall give a great dive in to the draft process. Uh, I just realized, by the way, that I'm wearing almost the exact same outfit that I wore in that episode. Uh, Coincidence? I think not. (laughs) No. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Thanks and gig them. Peace.